Irish Professional Wrestling returned to the hallowed GAA halls of old and one Paul Griffin was there to report on the scene here on this uh, our second I believe standalone OTT podcast uh, uh, well it's not an OTT podcast we've decided to segment the OTT reviews from the Chair Shop podcast off with these other little things because obviously there's a, a certain section of people who want to hear these and some people obviously who are quite detached from the old uh, Irish wrestling scene and don't necessarily want it in the middle of their show so we're doing these separately I'm Barry Murphy, obviously, uh, uh, hosting things, steering things along. I was not present for this show. So, uh, guiding me through the events of the evening are my co-hosts, of which there are one. Mr. Paul Griffith. Hello, Barry. You're very much going to be the Brian Alvarez of this one. Um, steering along the podcast, but not having actually bothered your hole to watch Smackdown or whatever. And I'll be... Uh, Paul, uh, take us through the show here. Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, five stars, Chris Jericho. I'll be Dave Meltzer. I'll be a, a less old and less muscular Dave Meltzer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so let's talk about uh, OTT Homecoming, which came from the arena, a.k.a. the Good Council GA Club on Sure Road. Um... um. Yeah, that my 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 opening questions here were going to be about that really. Uh, in general, what what make you of the location in terms of getting to it, and also the actual you know the look, the acoustics, the the everything. What did what did you make of the of the new of the new venue? Um. Well, I mean, obviously the the venue itself has been kind of the source of a lot of <laughs> ridicule on our podcast over the last, what, month or so since it was announced at, at being the elite. Um, <laughs> number one, their, their reluctance to call a spade a spade and instead call it the arena. Give it a cool underground name. Um, however, in a, in a remarkable kind of switch around, I was very happy with the both getting to the arena and also the arena itself. Um, so what we did was we, I think we headed into Dublin around, we got to Dublin at about three o'clock. So we were there nice and early. Uh, we went to Bunsen uh, in uh, Temple Bar, which was closed because it's being renovated. So we had nice. to, wa- we, that, that number one threw our plans kind of out the window. Because we originally were like, okay, we'll, we'll get Bunsen in, in Temple Bar and then we'll make our way to... Um, to Abbey Street and get the, the Lewis the rest of the way. So we go, okay, um, we'll walk instead to Wexford Street. And then we got the then we got the Lewis from Stevens Green to Abbey Street or to uh, O'Connell Street and then from Abbey Street to Shore Road. Now the Lewis is very cheap, as we found out. Mm-hmm. It's very slow, as <laughs> ironically. Um but it does stop right outside the arena. And getting back uh, was very handy as well. I must say, I think it's easier to get to um, and to get out of than the Tivoli. Wow. Um, I think the, the, the location of it is more or less 
Perfect. It does seem out of the way. Like when you when you look on a map, you say Sure Road, oh geez, it's over by Houston Station. It's like the other side of Dublin. But if you just hop on a Lewis from, you know, a t- uh, not even a two minute walk from the spire, you hop on a Lewis, they'll take you to the front door of the arena in about 15 minutes, something like that. Very handy to get to and very handy to get out of. Um, and did it, just out of curiosity, for me as someone who, I mean, the Lewises are obviously still running when the show finishes, so that's yeah. good. Uh, how, how was the timekeeping on this show? Um, <laughs> well, they tweeted that it was going to be a two-hour 45 show, and it did go about three hours 45. Okay. Um, however, uh, however, let me just counter that real quick. Uh, the pacing of the show was really good. So although it was a very yeah. long show, it didn't feel very long, as opposed to other shows that go long and feel like they're going on forever. Uh, being the Elite, as an example, where Cody Rhodes is doing the Kiss the Ring gimmick for 20 minutes. You're like, come on, we have to go home. I think partially as well, the National Stadium is so far out of the way that uh, that kind of plays yeah. into it. Um, so it did go long, but not in a way that was detrimental to the show. I mean, we were there for the Q&A early on. So we were yeah. we were in the arena for a good five and a half hours, I would say. We were there from 5.15 until a quarter to 11. So yeah, it would have been a good good five and a half hours. Didn't feel it. Though. Oh, so you, you, you got out before 11 anyway. Well, yeah, the show started at 7. Okay. And ran until 10.45. Yeah, because that, that's my main concern, because the, the last bus back to Limerick were right to try to go back the same night as quarter to 12. Oh yeah, so you you well with the you would just hop on the um, hop on the Lewis, and where where do you get the bus back from then? Uh, it's just off Westmoreland Street. Yeah, well, you would take the Lewis from outside Shore Road to O'Connell Street, fifteen minutes, and then, and then walk. walk walk across the yeah. river. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, in general, because I was talking to a few people who were there. In general, it seemed like most people. Uh, were were pretty pleasantly surprised with the venue. It looked nice from the pictures. Well, the I venue saw. the venue itself is very is certainly big enough. It's it sits more people than Tivoli does. Um, mm. It's lit better than the Tivoli. I don't think you feel as cramped as sometimes the Tivoli can. And I know that sometimes that's yeah. like a good thing, not a bad thing necessarily, because you do have that kind of atmosphere. But um, no, yeah. in terms of you know, one of the worries I think going in was going to be the crowd noise, th- how the atmosphere would be affected, the acoustics and so on. Um, but no, I mean. I think it it sounded as loud as it does on a Tivoli night. Um, it's good. The arena itself, I think. I think it was nicer in that you kind of felt like you had you had more space. Like it, the seating was not the same as it is in Tivoli, where the seats are all kind of essentially welded together, you know, and you just have your little bit of space. Here, yeah, it's just fold. Not, not it's folding. It's folding chairs, so you have your little, yeah. you know, bit of, bit of space. Um. The only one negative I could think about is if you're if you're sitting towards the back, like we had VIP seats, so we were front row, uh, so we had a perfect view. So I can't say that, but because there it's it's flat seating, it's not like the National Stadium where it's tiered. I think if you're if you're sitting very towards the very back, you'd have a kind of hard time seeing what was going on. So that kind of yeah incentivizes even more getting in, queuing early. You know. Um, that being said, we had the VIP tickets. Uh, uh, the VIP Q&A was to start at 5.15. We arrived at about 10 past 5. So we were in the queue for about 5 minutes and still got front row seats. So, Oh, wow. Um, there's there's a lot more 
options in terms of seats. I mean, obviously, because now, whereas the Tivoli had only one side of the ring, the other side, and then the stage, here you have four sides of the ring with seats, and also in the corners. Because they're not limited by how the Tivoli is actually set up, you know, in terms of <laughs> where the the stairs are and so on. It's just this one big flat GAA hall, you know, it's like where where you play indoor soccer basically or basketball. So yeah. it's, it's just a, they can completely customize to how they want it to be. Um so I thought the arena was perfect. I mean in, in many ways in fact I think it's better than the Tivoli. <laughs> and I would be super happy if they they can put on Twitter tonight. Uh lads, you know those shows we announced for the Tivoli, we're just going to do them in Shore Road instead. Great. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, that that's maybe a bit extreme because obviously it would be nice to have one final hurrah or whatever at the Tivoli. But um, no, I'm I'm more than happy with Sure Road. I mean, it kind of to an extent, it kind of blew me away of how I expected it to be and how it actually turned out. Um, the, the one the one kind of criticism I heard, which obviously would not affect you, was that the bar was um, well, the uh, the queue was for the bar was very long. Yeah, and it was understaffed, which I think was, that was also a problem for the first stadium show. I think these people underestimate how much wrestling fans like to drink. Well, um, one thing that they said in the Q&A, Cabrera was talking about how this is essentially a two-show trial for the arena. So it's natural that things kind of won't go. There'd be a few teething problems, essentially, you know? Mm. So that's something that I'm sure in, in, in future shows will be kind of thought out in advance and it won't be a yeah. problem. The, um, I would the say stadium the, stuff got better over time. Yeah. I'd say the one drawback of the, the arena is that it's um it's very kind of cold. <laughs> There's not um a lot. I don't know whether this is something that they would have to pay extra for or what, or what it would be. But when we went in initially, um, because it's this big GA hall, you essentially could feel the draft of whenever people would come in, you know? So it was yeah. very cold until... The arena kind of filled up with people after the Q and A. That's when naturally it's kind of started started feeling warmer. But even in the opening match, like Trent Seven was joking about how fucking freezing he was, and that he, he wanted the crowd to kind of breathe warm air at him to heat him up. Like it was it was noticeably cold. Like I kept my jacket on for the first mm. hour of the show or so before it kind of naturally heated up more. But it was kind of cold, which I guess is only going to be a problem in the the winter months, not so much in the summer. Uh, but apart from that, no. I mean, they have their little Titan Tron. They had a big lighting rig, which they obviously have to have because in the Tivoli you have because it's it's a a, a a venue for shows. You have the lighting already set up. Instead, they had to have this kind of WCW style lighting rig <laughs> set up over yeah. the ring. Um, but they had their Titan Tron still there. They had uh, a much improved entranceway with like lights and stuff, like the kind of stuff you kind of would see on a a mid two thousands. WWE house show in Dublin, you know, not quite the one they have with the, with the screens and so on, but you know the metal square with the light lights all over with different color lights and so on. Um, so that that was quite nice as well. And um, was uh, was there any other scoops from the Q and A worth talking about? Um, the Q and A I think was more more fun than newsworthy. Um, it was with Keith Lee, Devlin. Cabray and Martina. Nothing as much in the way of scoops. Um, uh, Cabray went into the difficulties of finding a venue. And like I said before, he, he was talking about how this was a two-show trial. He did go a little bit behind the curtain with that. He was talking about the different costs associated with running shows. And he was talking about how the first stadium show 
um, that if it didn't go to plan, that it, it could have very well been the end of the company because they don't exactly work on a, a huge profit margin. Um, yeah. That they needed to sell over X number of tickets for it to even break even, you know? Mm. But, no, the, you know, people weren't exactly hitting them with the the hardest questions. It was all kind of... No, of course not. It was no. fun. It was more a bit of fun, you know, than... You know, I, I didn't stand up with me, my, my hat with the press card in it going, well, Cabray, um, I know you've had run-ins with uh, Bram and Justy in the past few months. Would oh, you like to go into imagine. that? No, there was oh, none of, there was none of that. It was all, um, it was all very, very like, uh, dream opponents and like, what do you foresee for the future of OTT and what would they ever do? Uh, well, here's some, here's some, uh, stuff for you that was covered. Um, there's, they said, and although this, they said this, this was by no means like concrete, definite, going to happen. But two things that they said they were looking into doing before the end of 2018 was number one, a Royal Rumble style OTT show, um, which I think would be a lot of fun. He, one one thing because people asked, would you ever consider doing something like that? And Cabray was kind of nonchalant on. He said that a lot of indie companies who do those kind of matches do them very poorly um yeah. do, do crappy versions of them that's why he kind of wasn't so interested in it but he said with with kind of the roster that they're putting together that they felt like they could possibly do something there towards the end of the year and also a co-promoted show with one of the uk companies um again he said that's something that they've been talking about and maybe looking into um yeah it seems the uh the RevPro relationship has already bore fruit, it appears. Uh-huh. Because um, they are, as we'll get to in a bit, they are one of the big partners of New Japan. Yeah. Um, well, there's something else they talked yeah, the about Rumble, as well. The is Rumble... Go on. They talked about the what they, what he called uh, flight sharing, I think it was, where when they bring yes. over one of those people that they kind of share the cost with the other companies do a little tour. Um, and they said that's kind of how they can get these people in because if it was just up to them to get someone in for a Dublin show it would be too expensive they wouldn't be able to do it yeah I mean it's like you look at you look at Kenny Omega's schedule for, for when he was in Dublin he worked four indies that weekend you know oh, what I course, mean it's yeah. like so, so, so obviously it's like you know those folks are getting together and they're 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 hashing the things out, so so that makes sense. And it's you know it's obviously in everyone's benefit to work together. It was kind of funny with the Q and A because at the start people were very reluctant to ask questions. Like they essentially Butch was going around with a, a microphone saying any questions, anyone any questions, and nobody would put their hand up. <laughs> it's just like is this going to be a huge bust right away? Is nobody going to ask any questions? But eventually people well, got did, into it. They did kind of lump that in with the good seats. Well, yeah, I tweeted them the day before actually. Um, Asking, you know, if you want, if you're VIP and you want to get the good seats, do you essentially have to go to the Q&A or is that a separate deal? And they essentially answered that, well, that's kind of the early access for VIPs. So we decided to go along to it. And I, I actually was happy we went along. I think it was, I think it was good fun, you know. It probably it went about an hour, the Q&A. Um, and it was a good laugh. And then they... One person was asking for the next Q and A. Could, could they have Be Cool on it? And uh, they beckoned for Be Cool, and out he came, and with a chair, <laughs> and then proceeded ten questions of nobody asking Be Cool anything. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was quite funny. It was very, very good. Um, 
And then we had our hour intermission where all of the general admission folks who didn't have Q&A tickets came in and the arena filled up very quickly. Um, and then the show proper started. Um, opening match was Trent Seven against Ryan Smile. Uh, Ryan Smile uh, wasn't there. And again, this wasn't said in advance or anything. Trent Seven just was given the unenviable task of giving the bad news. So Trent Seven came out first. Did his did whole. You, uh, did you see the Lucha Forever updates in the week? Oh, the yeah, the Will Osprey post. Will Osprey going on their Facebook page saying, "Hi everyone, I just got these uh, into this account. I don't usually run this." Um, for if you don't recall, by the way, they went out of business like in December, and they were like, "Sorry, everyone, uh, you can honor these tickets with I think IPW in the UK, or if you want a refund, that's cool. We'll give you your money back." That seemed all fine. Uh, last week, Will Osprey, who ran the promotion with Smile, went on their Facebook and says, "Hi." Um, I don't have access to the money accounts, and Ryan is nowhere to be found. Um, so, sorry, I can't refund you. But also, I'm turning this page into another promotion that I'm starting now. Stay fearless um, or something, did they? Oh, it's dreadful. Anyway, so so Smile is... Um, is AWOL for the moment. Oh, I do not know what his situation is, and I know he. I, I don't want to speculate, but um, yeah, bad. Well, we were looking forward to seeing him, so it was a shame that he wasn't there. Um because I like Ryan Smile. I think he's... Oh, me too. I think he's yeah. very good. I mean, uh, admittedly, some of the, the stuff that's happened on Twitter over the years has been up and down. But uh, I generally have been a big fan of his over the last year or so in OTT, especially his kind of heel persona. I think he's very good. Um, especially that one time we saw him come out the back of the Tivoli in his painted-on jeans. I was like, oh, you're working that heel gimmick, brother. <laughs> um, which in fairness Jordan Devlin was rivaling him at the Q&A he had some very very tight jeans on um, might be a wrestler thing I don't know so Trent Seven said um, Smile's not here um, he said it was very cold as, as I mentioned before he said please blow hot air at me so that I would have something resembling a penis um, very funny, obviously Trent Seven, and he said, "I'm gonna have we're gonna have an open challenge instead." So who's gonna answer the open challenge? Uh, L.J. Cleary was the surprise. Oh, uh, much to your delight. Well, here's the thing, okay? L.J. Cleary came out and, and had a little promo with Trent Seven, uh, and had some very funny lines. I have to give him the credit where the credit's due. He had a, a funny promo. He said that Trent Seven was uh, Tyler Bates' fat dad. <laughs> which i i laughed yeah i thought i thought his his delivery i think still needs to be worked on but i think he had some good lines here i think he came off very well and he actually got to have a match as well which he didn't do before and the match was good um and this kind of not to obviously spoil what's coming up but i think every match on this show was good to great um trend seven did a good job of kind of making Cleary look very good. Cleary has a lot of like kick-based offense, a lot of, like running kicks. There was some comedy in there as well where Trent was like chopping him and Cleary was trying to chop him back and wouldn't work and you know stuff like that. Like the the typical rookie versus veteran match. Um Cleary went for the pedigree at one point <laughs> on Trent Seven. It was giving him the suck it pose okay. as well still, still doing all that well but it was funny because clearly doing it on seven was the joke you know 
but still, but like yeah, ah, still having just based. Around I I, li- I like the DX stuff. I must say, I like the 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 British strong style RWE gimmick. Um, yeah. Trent Seven then eventually won with. Uh, did he win with a pile driver? I think he did. He did. Yeah, he won with a, a kind of a snap pile driver, and then afterwards gave him a pedigree. Um, didn't do the water spinning gimmick this time. LJ Cleary actually did a a, a a mime spinning of the water, which was very funny. Um, no, but it was a good match. I think Cleary looked good. Seven looked great as he always does. Um, very good opener. Kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. Um, I'm a big fan of LJ Cleary's theme song. Um, and yeah, no, it was good. It was it, it was good. Uh, second match then was Haskins against Adam Brooks. This is my first time ever seeing Adam Brooks. I didn't kind of know what to expect from him. Yeah, um, I haven't seen him before. He's quite good uh, without being, I guess, spectacular. But they had a good, they had a good Mark Haskins match. Is how I'd kind of describe yeah. it. Um, Haskins sold a lot. Um, I think Brooks had him in. They have an armbar when mixing up matches. I don't remember, but Haskins. Uh, did all the spots. He did the obviously the roll through Death Valley Driver. He did the sharpshooter for the win. Um, after the match, they did a handshake. Right, they did a handshake where Brooks offered the hand. Good job, lad. Haskins kind of hesitated. You know, as as baby faces often like the tough baby faces often do. Are you gonna are you gonna turn on me, brother? And then they finally they shook hands. And then Adam Brooks hit with the low blow. And I actually got double bluffed by it where I thought it was so obvious that it wouldn't happen and then when it did happen I got I was shocked I said no you heal you bad boy and uh, and then and then he left um, I don't know about Brooks I think Brooks is he was good and the match itself was good but he he's maybe a little a little generic I guess I, I don't I like it. there's nothing about him that necessarily stood out about his style or about his look um, he did spit at Mark Haskins at one point, and Haskins then spat back at him, um, which is maybe one of the more no- notable things about the match. But no, it was good. Like it was, it was, it was kind of your your below main event level, but still very good Haskins style match. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, very fast dives all, all over the place, of course. Um. But not going that like fifth gear, which is which is normal because it was the second match of the show. You know they're not necessarily going to up upstage the rest of the uh, the card. But it was very very good second match. Uh, we then had the gender neutral four way, which was Be Cool, Angel Cruz, Martina, and Chuck Taylor. Uh, and the story of the match early was that <laughs> Angel Cruz, as promised in their pre match promo, was going to let Be Cool pin him for the title mm. and it was that Martina and Chuck Taylor were trying to break it up all the time so they, they, they would have a bit of the match and then whenever it was just the two Angel Cruises left in the ring <laughs> Angel would take a, a comical bump <laughs> into the center of the ring and Beacon would try and pin him and then it would inevitably be broken up and so on uh, the other story was that Chuck Taylor being the Kentucky Gentleman would not hit Martina and would refuse to do it. Uh, which led at one point, because the, the 
he wouldn't fight Martina and they kept breaking up the pins. At one point, they, because uh, this is plays into the GAA hall and how it actually can be worked to an advantage. Um, yeah. They pushed him out one of the side doors and locked him out of the arena. Okay. Um, which, and then he was just out of the match for like five, ten minutes. At which point, um, Martina's music started playing. And out came Chuck Taylor dressed in drag in in the Martina nice. onesie and a blonde wig, and nice. he proceeded. Drag is very in these days. And he proceeded to beat the shite out of Martina. <laughs> very nice. I think he did this like years ago with Candice. It was very, it was very good. It was very, very funny. Um, one crazy bump in this. Now Angel didn't have any like wacky weapon as he often does, but he went for the um, the old school on Martina. Or was it on Chuck? It was on one of them. Anyway, I think it was on Martina. And she went to push him back into Team Prick, as you know, you've seen that, or through the table, as, as we saw the spot before. But he didn't fall down. He, he hung on to her, right? And then instead, she yanked him overhead, and he went pretty much the full length of the ring, like a forward flip bump, which was crazy. Crazy bump wow. for him. Um, he's great. Angel Cruz are great. Um, yeah. Uh, finish of the match was Be Cool had did he have Chuck in in a submission of some kind? I can't remember. Was it a cross face or something? He had some submission on him. I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah. And Martina then hit Angel Cruz with a move and, and no, sorry. Angel Cruz hit Getting this mixed up. No, Martina had Angel Cruz in a submission, and B Cool hit Chuck with his finish, and went for the pin. One, two, and as the three was coming down, Angel tapped out. That's what happened. Excuse me. Thank you very much for for the help, Natty. I was getting mixed up. Um, and so the story was that although Angel's whole thing was that he was going to give B Cool the win, when it finally came to it he tapped out and kind of cost him the title. So Martina retained. Um, and so at post-match, there was a bit of dissension between the Angel Cruisers. And in fact, on the following oh. night, on the following night, which was tonight, the, the Belfast show, Be Cool teamed with uh, Trent Seven. And when Be Cool was wearing his old squat gear, he wasn't wearing the Angel Cruiser gear anymore. So that has me a bit apprehensive. Um, hope, oh no! Hopefully, it's not the end of the Angel Cruisers. That would be that would be extremely premature. I think. Um, um, what? Well, they're like they're like the. Been around for the like, part of a year. You know, in fairness. No. Yeah. Uh, hang on. Um. Let me think. Well, no, because the, the the nasties just broke up in like December of lat of twenty sixteen. Well, that was when Justy turned. And I feel like then, I, I feel like Sammy guess, D and yeah. Be Cool hadn't been around that. They didn't stick around that much longer afterwards. Okay, you you, you might be right, but still, but still, I think I think it's a little bit premature. But I think this might not be necessarily the end. I think there, I think this will be essentially build to a big reunion rather than it being a proper breakup because they work so well together. I mean, why would you break them up? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm very, I'm very dubious. Also, uh, uh, Be Cool's that's bollocks is now a thing. Oh, it's great! It is. It's great. Um, so that's kind uh, of what did you? What did you make of the of our first uh, Chuck Taylor live experience? Oh, he's great. 
he's very very good he's got a great look and he's got a great style i think and he played into the kind of the comedy of it um when when before he was eliminated of course uh martina did her bronco buster spots and then when chuck came out and drag he hit the bronco buster and everybody as well so he was essentially working nice. as martina it was very very good um very good but yeah an- another good match probably not necessarily as crazy as um the typical angel cruise match can get i guess although to be fair yeah. to angel cruise um, at that last Tivoli show, he nearly got killed. So I don't mind if he kind of dies a back and turn a little bit. Um, and at the stadium show, he took that ridiculous bump outside. That's true. <laughs> and also, we had a cage match to come. So there was only a, so much crazy I could take in a night. Um, yeah. But LJ Cleary, Trent Seven, Mark Haskins, Brooks, and and the gender neutral match. Three three really good matches. Three like okay. three like seven out of tens. Okay. Which, if I got 7 out of 10 or 70% in a school exam, I would have been real pleased. <laughs> we then had what originally was supposed to be Zack Sabre Jr. against Tyler Bate. We got instead Zack Sabre Jr. against Travis Banks. And they had a hell of a match. Which, at the time, was one of the best OTT matches I think I've ever seen. They worked... Really? Yes. Because I, I, I remember when I watched the... Um, when I watched the uh, Cruiserweight Classic, I was kind of not so hot on Zack Sabre Jr. I think he, I think he didn't have a, a great showing in those, in those uh, in that tournament. So I was kind of what's the word for it? I, w- I wasn't exactly expecting something tepid. Great, tepid's a very good word for it. Um, and they essentially had a a worked shoot MMA style. <laughs> Think like Samoa Joe, her angle from lockdown 2008, but not in a cage. Very, very, very stiff. Um, very, very competitive, like submission style match. A little bit of Benoit angle as well. That kind of style to it. Very, very good. Um, loads of believable, believable false finishes. Because it was worked in that style, it wasn't going to end on a classic fucking death valley driver off the top or something it was it was very very cleverly worked um definitely a kind of a slow builder started slow and just oh like as i think probably went about 20 25 minutes just built and built and built into this like really really intense really crazy match yeah i'm, I'm surprised because i the buzz for that match after it happened was was incredible well it's um, it's, it's and- since I kind of feel like it's been lost in the shovel between the Keith Lee Speedball match and the cage match, I definitely think it belongs in the same mention as the three. Like, I want the three of them, not necessarily only Keith Lee in the cage match. Because this match was as good, to be fair. And there are three very yeah, different it's... matches. You had here, Zack Sabre Jr., Travis Banks had the worked shoot style match. Keith Lee Speedball had the, the, like, the big moves, the big power moves and the flippy doos. And then the Kings of North Rapture had the the Mankind Undertaker Hell in the Cell match, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Where yeah. I was watching it through, like, my fingers, you know, hands over yeah. my face. And it's like, you, you mentioned your reservations about Sabre Jr. I, I've always liked Banks, but I, I, I've never really thought of him at that insanely great singles match guy. I mean, he had one of my favorite tag matches of 2017 in, in progress. 
but I've, I've never quite. I you know you know what I mean. Like that. Yeah, that, that he was very very remember. good here. He was very. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 glad to hear that, and I and hopefully he can continue to have uh, bangers like that in OTT. Maybe even you know against Devlin. Him and Devlin had an amazing, not an amazing match. They had a really great match in progress. Um, yeah, uh, last year as well. So if the first so, three were sevens, this was like a nine, nine point five. That's how good it was. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that was definitely. I know. I think you are right. It did get lost in the shuffle, but immediately, like immediately after that match, when people were tweeting their reactions, it was like that was one of the best OTT matches ever. Is yeah. what is what the vibe I was getting. I then turned to my my friend Stephen. By the way, this was his first ever OTT show. What a show to start with, by the way. Um, yeah. I turned to him and went. Keith Lee speedball next. That could be even better. Now, it, I didn't necessarily 100% believe that myself. Whew. <laughs> Keith Lee and Mike Bailey then proceeded to have easily the best OTT match I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> 20 minutes after the last one. <laughs> um, where, well, Zack Sabre Jr. and Travis Banks had the best technical match I've ever seen in OTT. Maybe maybe one of the best technical matches I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't know how many times between the start of the Keith Lee match and the Speedball match in the end, I jumped out of my chair. Probably in the range of about 10. At one point, I slapped the floor. I was that excited. Um, you know when uh, Alvarez used to talk about the, um, the false finish in the Triple H Undertaker Hell in a Cell match? Where Michaels hit it. Oh yeah, this was ten times, uh, ten times that. <laughs> um, there is one spot. I, I don't. I don't even want to spoil it for people who are going to watch this on VOD. There's one spot in this match where it was so <laughs> foregone that this was the finish. People were ready for three, and then when three did not come, people's eyes were popping out, and their <laughs> <laughs> their heads were in their hands and. I was like Avery kind I of. was nearly lying on the floor in I had no energy left after watching this match. It was mental. Um easily a ten out of ten. I mean, you know, it's it's kinda hard to judge the matches you see in OTT versus, you know, New Japan and WWE that you see on TV, but for me it was a five star. Five star match. Um I mean, those, I believe that those two guys are incredible, you know. Those two guys are incredible, and the match they had was even more incredible. And yeah. God, Bailey is Bailey has had some just some fucking incredible matches in his time. In he, oh, it's so lucky that we get him in OTT. It's so lucky that he, so lucky that he's banned from the US because we get him all the time. I know it's like he's oh. really he's really you know made the most of a shitty situation. He is so great, and also the added stipulation of this, by the way, was that the winner would go on to Scrappermania. They had they showed they showed a little they showed a little promo earlier on where they said we've only got one spot left for Scrappermania. You two is a fighting for it. whoever wins going Scrappermania. So there was also not only was the match great, but you know that okay, well whoever wins this is going to be on Scrappermania card. And they That's had cool. they hadn't announced yet the card. It is cool little touch too, wasn't it? But um, Jesus Christ was this match good? Like I can't even say enough good things about it. That's how it was. Nothing will come close to match of the year. Nothing I see okay. live or on TV will wow. be in the range of this match. It's it's so far above. I mean, and we've we've seen very great great OTT matches. We we got the the privilege to see Ricochet, Will Osprey, um, yes. Kings of the North against 
Lad from the Flats, which I think is an underrated classic. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, Devlin um, Moose, um, Devlin Star, Riddle Speedball, Riddle Speedball, Riddle Skirl. Um, none of them even close. None of them even. Wow. None of them even close to this match. Um, unbelievably good, unbelievably good, and you know. We've we've all kind of been jaded by wrestling, you know. You watch so much wrestling, and I mean, like I said, I didn't even watch SmackDown this week. I don't feel like I'm missing out. I don't feel like, oh my god, what's going on in SmackDown? Don't really care. Um, but this was a match that took you back to being a kid, you know. This was this was for for a lot of people, Flair Steamboat. This was this was Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels all over again. Wow. This wow, is, but I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, but no, 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 but I'm not overstating. I don't mean in terms of match quality. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about in in terms of me as a fan, going yeah, to, going to it. going there to that go. place where you you forget it's fake. You're completely invested in the match. You're completely um, uh, emotionally connected to it. You know, and yeah, it was it was a hell of a trip, basically. <laughs> Probably the the closest you could feel to being on drugs. It was that good. <laughs> wow! I don't know. I can't talk about. How, I can't say any anything more to get across how good this match was. It was really incredible. You're, you're selling me. You're selling the, me. The, I don't think I've heard the OTT crowd as hot as they have been for this match as well. People were people were on the verge of tears watching this match. <laughs> like when when that false count finished, it wasn't a it wasn't a an ah oh, reaction. It was like a. <laughs> the sound of people nearly being sick <laughs> with excitement. <laughs> okay, was, I, I really can't wait for this VOD to I, come out. I really, I really hope so much. I hope so much that this translates to to VOD because it was so good. It was. I'm I'm nearly gonna cry now thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. When, when the VOD comes out, I do need to watch it again because it's it was mental. Uh, mental in a way that, okay, was fair enough, was, the cage match was even more mental, but, uh, yeah, this was, this was something else. That's, I, I'll, I'll stop there because otherwise I will just go so far into hyperbole that (laughs) (laughs) this was better than women getting the vote and I'll say mad stuff. So we'll, (laughs) (laughs) we'll stop there. This was a 10 out of 10 match live. Oh my God. Okay. We then had intermission, which my God, we need it after that match. I need to go to have a cigarette after that match. Yeah. Um, intermission for 15 minutes. And we thought that this was where they were going to set up the cage. Uh, but they didn't. In fact, when we came back from intermission, they went straight to the world title match. So the cage match was going to be the main event. Yeah. And uh, poor, like poor Devlin and poor Thatcher. Uh, as They had a, a, a very good match, but they were kind of in the the death spot of being between one of the best matches in OTT history and one of the most crazy matches in OTT history. They worked again, another kind of technical style match, which again, I I think also kind of went against its favor was that we had the Sabre junior Travis Banks match earlier. It was worked in a very kind of similar style. And I think that match was better on a normal OTT show. And this show is by no means normal on a normal OTT show. I think this would have been, one of the better matches. Yeah, I, I, I like Tim Thatcher a lot. He reminds me a little bit of Cesaro in this match for whatever reason. 
nothing as like yeah. uppercutty, but he has the same kind of build, and he does these very kind of power man spots. You wouldn't think that he'd be able to do. But he's, I think, he's bigger than you might imagine as well. Very, very big. And his his, his mannerisms are just different to everyone else on the indies. He he takes everything very serious in in a yeah. good way. Um, yeah, no messing about. Just in there to have a fight. I I like Tim Thatcher a lot. Yeah, it was very good. It was very very good. Um, yeah, I can, I can I can see how you know. Having seen clips of the cage match as well, and after everything you've said, I can see how his style might not necessarily have been great to position in between those two. But I also don't doubt that it was still a really good match. Well, I mean, they, they really did have to have it first, though, because if they had this after Keith Lee speedball, after the cage match, the crowd would have been in, been asleep. So I think been asleep, yeah, that's yeah. Um, so they, I think they did right putting on first. And fairness, that it was a very good match. And Devlin, Devlin looked great, super crisp, super smooth as he always does. He won with the package pile driver. Um, uh, got a new belt, I believe. Got a new belt. They actually made a, a, a procession of it where Humperdinck, who Humperdinck was on commentary, by the way, since Don Marnell is done. Um, yeah. he's filling in uh, on commentary. Uh, he came out with with the. The, the the velvet bag, so you knew something was up. And he actually he came out oh, right. R- right in front of us. So he was standing right in front of me, basically with the bag. And I went, oh ho, something's happening here. He got into the ring with the microphone and said, um, "You know, as OTT goes into 2018, we have to evolve." And so Jordan Devlin, I declare you the OTT World Champion, which got a huge pop. Of course, he took an age to get the belt out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> um that belt just did not want to come out <laughs> the bag was yeah. twisting the he had to put it on the floor and try and pull the belt out but I not saw, um i saw some pictures i i haven't seen the finished thing but i saw i think a belt maker probably <laughs> i don't know if ott were aware of this but there were there were photos of this thing kind of going around before it was finished uh, i think because the belt maker like unknowingly posted them just like hey i'm working on this um, at least I think that's what it was. Someone sent me the photos going the belt maker, you know, is posting these. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen I haven't seen a good picture of the belt yet. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a good picture of the finished product, but it looked like a big, thick, physical. You know, it looks a, a bit real, like it looks a bit like the Ring of Honor belt. Yeah, it looks like a real world title. It really does. Um, what I have seen, um, uh, I, I got a, a somewhat decent picture of is the tag belts because the. Uh, the Rapture lads, you know, spoilers for the main event. Uh, they've been posting photos of it, and I have to say, those are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, they're very, very nice belts. Um, very, very New Japan, very kind of IWGP belt, but like more colorful. They've kind of got a bit of a blue yellow uh, color scheme going on. I think those are incredible looking belts. I really, I really do think they are fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was a nice moment. Um... <laughs> Uh, the NLW belts, anyway, do kind of look very old hat at this point. So it was nice for them to have, on this big show, kind of the, the new belt handed out. It would have been nice, I think, at being the Elite as well. To have, like, Jordan win and have the new belt. But, you know. Yes. Here, yeah. I think it was because it's kind of the new arena and everything, it kind of made sense to have the new belts given out there. Uh, they didn't make a deal about the tag belts. There was no mention of them being new uh, at all. Just for the world title. Which fair enough. Yeah, the women's title is the same same old one as well. They might want to think about getting a new one there. Putting it in the bin, Lunder <laughs> Blaze style. Uh, um, yeah, and like I think as we discussed on being the elite, like I like the 
design of the gender neutral one, but it just looks kind of flimsy. A um, little bit, yeah. Um, where, where, whereas those those tag belts, like I said, they look like real major league thick metal heavy real belts, you know. Um, but again, I mean, they're probably not cheap, so you you obviously can't overhaul them all at the same time. I don't think exactly. It's like those those, those tag belts; they look like expensive. They look really expensive. Uh, so yeah, and I guess that brings us to the main event. And then it was the main, main event, event time, so. We had a 15-minute intermission, then we had Devlin Thatcher, and then we had essentially a 20-minute intermission again, um, which on most shows would be bad. But during because this intermission was them setting the cage up, it just kind of like built anticipation in a way. This was, you know, when yeah. WWE bring the, bring the cage down, you get the lights and the ho, 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 ho. It was, the, <laughs> it, it was that for 20 minutes, basically, where we're looking at this cage. This cage, by the way, I don't know if it translates to pictures. I don't know if it'll translate to VOD. This cage is humongous. <laughs> okay. it, it looked fucking huge. I was looking at the pictures going, this does not look like a worked 16-foot wrestling-ass fucking... No, I, I would say legitimately, n- not counting also the height of the ring, just the cage itself, because they, they had it just resting against the back walls while it was being waited. They were sort of there for the, the, the night. I would say legitimately about 13, 14 feet high. Which is very yeah, big, and then on top of the ring as well, which is another let's say four feet. Yeah, the top the top of the cage was about eighteen feet above floor, so you're looking up into the sky basically, <laughs> right? Um, so I went into this show, going, you know what I've never seen live a cage match number one, but you know what I've never seen live someone jump off a cage. So I really hope we get to see that yeah. tonight. Uh, we turned around very quickly to. I hope no one jumps off this because that's really high. <laughs> this cage yeah, is so I, big. I was, I was excited when they announced it, but then I was like, "Oh God, you know, please don't break when someone's on it. Please don't break when someone's thrown against it. Please don't fucking uh, lacerate someone." Like, because not not because you know I don't trust OTT, but it, just in general, you know, indie wrestling, you know, you, you have your your doubts and your trepidations. Uh, about it. it it looked cool and it looked you know very well produced but i feel like looking at some of the clips i saw I, my heart would have been in my mouth watching people climb oh, this thing. Our, our hearts were in our mouths watching this being set up never mind the match actually <laughs> happened um this cage is so big um and not only that but the way the cage was set up was i tweeted a picture of them setting it up uh yesterday and you had about 30 people setting this thing up they they would put one side up and then they put an adjacent side up and it was essentially strapped to the ring post uh, and then the top of it was being held together by uh, z- what are they called zip ties zip ties um which worked I mean it it definitely held together there was no fear that it was going to come apart or anything like that um, one thing that would happen though I don't know how they built it but the cage is essentially not just one panel but three panels stuck together. Which meant whenever whenever anybody would hit into the side, it would kind of buckle outwards and nearly come off the side of the ring. So they would have people kind of holding it in because <laughs> it would keep kind of coming, nearly coming out. So it would go from being flat to kind of like a like a trapezoid shape, almost coming off the side. Like the middle paddle would stick out, and they'd have to push it back in. But um, no, the cage looked great. The cage sounded great as well that's one thing that maybe doesn't get across through uh pictures of and so on but it did have that real kind of you know that cage rattle that you hear in w when something gets thrown into the cage it kind of 
definitely had that to it. They had a door in the side as well. Um, but yeah, the one thing I just couldn't get it couldn't get it, uh, around was how just how big it looked. I mean, yeah, because OTT have a sixteen by sixteen ring, so it's not like a WWE style twenty by twenty. It's sixteen by sixteen square, and so I guess when you have a twenty by twenty ring, the cage will look proportionately of a certain size. Um, but because the sixteen by sixteen ring, the cage being itself, let's say fifteen feet tall, just made it look like it went right up to the ceiling almost. Um, so so big, but they did a hell of a job making that cage. I would say it, it really really did the job. Kings of the North were out first, um, and then the Rapture. The rules were announced beforehand that the only way to win the match was by escape. So no no pinfall, and you would you would only win once all three members of the team had escaped the cage. So there were the rules. Uh, Kings of North out first, so they huge huge ovation. Of course, they run into the cage, uh, and they're standing there waiting for their opponents. The Rapture then come out: Shaw Samuels, Charlie Sterling, Zach Gibson, and they don't want to get in the cage. So the Kings of North come out. And uh, fight them outside the ring, as the Kings of North want to do. A brawl that just erupted all over the arena. And in fact, they were fighting over by us for uh, a good majority of it. Uh, my friend and my brother were knocked over by wrestlers fighting. Um, I had my shirt grabbed by Charlie Sterling. Nice. Um, I didn't quite get knocked over, but I did get a little grab. Uh, they're fighting over by the merch stands. They're... They, the, by the way, the amount of chairs that got broken in brawls. When we were leaving the arena, you would just see chairs with broken legs. I don't know if the the chairs were the GA club's like own chairs or whatever, but they they probably broke a good five chairs <laughs> over the course wow. of this event. Um, so they're brawling around uh, ringside, and eventually, what happens is Duncan disorderly and uh, Damian Corvin get knocked down and the rapture isolate bone saw who by the way on his shirt had a bone saws ready reference which was very funny nice um they isolated him in the ring and Shah samuels then from his jacket goes aha i've got a chain to lock the door closed and and so they proceed to lock the door they put the key down charlie sterling's pants and proceed for 10 minutes to beat the shite out of Bonesaw. Um, Duncan Disorderly is, is down right in front of us. I, I patted him on the shoe. I didn't want to annoy him. But I did. I touched his shoe a little bit. Um, <laughs> and he's crawling to the ring. Corvin's trying to get up as well. And then they realize that their, their mate is locked inside. Being unmercifully pummeled. Banged into the cage every which way. Given that all the finishers. Um, just essentially being killed. Corvin and uh, Disorderly are trying to climb in, but every time they try to climb, they're thwarted by Samuels or Gibson kicking them off the side of the cage. So they go, oh dear, what are we going to do here? So they go backstage, and they're gone for about a minute. And then they return with a ladder. Oh no. They return with a ladder, <laughs> and we're going, that means they're going to the top of the cage. And all of our, all of our toes curled simultaneously, all the people in the arena going oh shit here it comes so i had said to to my brother and my friend and natalie before the match you know what 
at least if they come off the top, there's like five lads to catch them. Yeah? Yeah. So, Corvin climbs up the ladder uh, first. Uh, Gibson and Samuels and Sterling are trying to kick the side of the cage, but they can't reach the ladder. They can't mess with the ladder. Corbin is now standing on top of this cage. This cage, by the way, has no like platforms on top. The top of the cage is probably... Oh, is probably it's like top of a fence, it looks like. It's probably about seven or eight centimeters wide, something like that. So you got to have good balance. Corbin is now standing on top of the cage. <laughs> We're looking up into the rafters of, of the GA hall here going, please don't die, essentially. And he comes off the top with a big crossbody onto all the, uh, the rapture. And people are jumping up and down. People can't believe what they've just seen. Little do we know, it's about to get even crazier. Oh, no. Corvin then hits... Uh, who was it? Sterling, I think, with an uh, F5. And now Duncan Disorderly is standing on the cage. But there's not four people to catch him. There's just a man lying on the floor. And at this point, we realize... We realize what's going to happen. <laughs> um, so he proceeds to, to hit a frog splash off the top of the cage. <laughs> on one guy on one lad people are at this point going mad <laughs> people in the crowd are going crazy jumping up and down we can't believe what we've seen um gibson at some point gets his hand cut there's blood now all over the floor there's blood on his own face we thought that initially his, his head had been cut but it's actually his hand they have a wild brawl um and eventually what happens is the the rapture get get in front of in the match again. They have the they have the uh, they have the kings of the north down. So they say, okay, well let's let's get the key, open the chain, and get out the get out the door. Right. So they open they open up the chain. Gibson leaves the uh, or Samuel's first leaves the cage. Gibson leaves the cage for some reason. Um, Sterling was like keep annoying them. Like he, I don't know what he was, what they're trying to do. Maybe he was saying like let's stay in here and keep beating these guys up or something. Uh, and Samuel's and Gibson keep like pushing him away. Uh, and by the time it was Sterling's turn to leave the cage, the Kings of the North were back up. And they closed, they catch Sterling, they close the door of the cage, they put the lock back on. And now now the, the tables have turned. Now it's three of the King of, Kings of the North versus Charlie Sterling. And they proceed to beat the shite out of him. One for, funny moment that happened, by the way. Well, actually two. One thing is, uh, Foxy, of course, is putting his, he's doing his WWE ref uh, imitation. He's putting his little gloves on his little blue blue medical oh, yeah. gloves um and also one of the stage hands one of the trainees i guess comes out with a bit of tissue paper rolled up for for gibson's hand uh zach gibson then hits a perfect like side thrust kick to the tissue which goes flying out of the trainee's hand and just lands on the floor where it would remain for the rest of the show um, also, the chain that was supposed to be, if, if you recall, the chain that's keeping the door closed, which is keeping Gibson and Samuels out, somehow becomes unlocked and just falls on the floor. So the, do the door is no longer locked, but because, of course, in storyline terms, Gibson and Samuels are supposed to be locked out of the cage. So they have to think on their feet and come up with the all-time best reasoning why they wouldn't go in and help their friends. Gibson opens the cage door and peers in, sees the Kings of the North and goes, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> and then they proceed to just 
cheerlead Charlie Sterling without actually going in to help them. And I was like, that was really good. <laughs> a problem happened and they solved it in a, in a really creative, really fun way. Um, eventually, uh, Sterling is crawling, to crawling towards the door uh, to escape. Uh, I think what happened was Gibson had slammed the cage into Bonesaw's head. Uh, so now, like, Sterling is trying to get out. Gibson and Samuels trying to pull him out. And the Kings of North are trying to keep him in. Uh, but eventually they get him out. And that, that was the finish of the match. Was They, they pulled Sterling out uh, of the cage. And the Rapture win. And they, they grabbed their belts and ran off backstage. And then the Kings of North. Kings of North finally were beaten. They were champions for like a year. Yeah, forever. Um, this match was crazy. The, the, the jumping off the cage was mad. It was very violent. There was not blood. I was wondering whether we would get some some blood. Um, but I guess OTT kind of goes by the WWE mantra of no no blood. Uh, Gibson's hand was bleeding a, a bit, but that was it. Um, yeah, no gigging. No gigging, brother. Um, they still on the ring apron have the the blood from the time Curtis Murray hit his head. Um, oh, that's, yeah. that's dried into the apron now, I guess. But um, no, this was a this was a. <laughs> A crazy match. Um, just from start to finish. Mental stuff happened. Um, and a fitting way to kind of end the the night. Um, so in summary. I know that when we do our little OTT reviews. We quite often have. Uh, a, little, a little nitpicking to do. A little negative comment here or there. Uh, this show was. Everything was good to great. Too, yeah. e too excellent, in fact. Um, best OTT show ever. Yeah, I'd say that. Wow. Uh, two, certainly three of the best matches ever. Um, the arena is great. The performances were great. I, th I think it was a, I think it was a perfect show. <laughs> I don't and we didn't even we didn't even mention Scrapper Mania. <laughs> The announcements, so the next stadium show for OTT in May will feature Keith Lee, as mentioned earlier, Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay, Jordan Devlin, Matt Riddle, and Tomohiro Ishii, and Minoru Suzuki from New Japan. That's what I was alluding to earlier with the whole Rev Pro New Japan uh, connection. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is the next stadium show. Good luck. I've already, I've already procured accommodation in Dublin. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'll be going to that one. So you can rest assured. Um, uh, yeah. So I mean, on top of everything else, there's nothing better than a good old announcement. Did, on did they put? Show did they put up I, on their YouTube the uh, the video? I don't know if they. No, did. I don't think so. Because the way they did it was like Scrapper Mania. No, 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 no. Keith Lee. Jeff Cobb, Osprey, Sabre Jr., Riddle, and, and then the New Japan logo. And people got very excited. Ishii. And I don't have a lot of, let's say, experience watching him. So I was kind of, eh, that's okay. I, I'm thinking that was like the big, the big announcement, right? I'm like, that's, that's quite good for people who are big New Japan fans. And certainly I want to go to this show. But for me, it's not a it's not a huge name. Yeah. And then it goes 
And <laughs> and I go, what? And little little Minoru Suzuki's head comes up, and I I am a kid on Christmas jumping up and down. <laughs> um, yeah, I still kind of can't believe it, but hey, Minoru Suzuki is great. <laughs> he's an ugly-looking Well, he's ugly, yeah. Well, that's the fun of it. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Um, Suzuki's has, I mean, I remember the first Suzuki match I watched, which was the... Um, the Tanahashi match where Suzuki yeah, was just selling that leg like no one's ever sold a leg before. <laughs> um hobbling around, hitting the ropes and falling down and oof. Yeah, I mean, compared to being the elite where I remember they announced Dalton Castle and the boys versus Young Bucks and Skrull, and we're all going like, huh? And then Phoenix, Cody, and Flip were all like, mm. I look at this, and I don't care what way they arrange these these lads up. This is going to be a hell of a show. <laughs> and uh, didn't they uh, didn't they tease a, a, a yeah. CSJ Devlin match? Yeah, yeah. That that's presumably going to be for uh, Outer Space Odyssey Four, I would assume. Oh yeah, that's a, so yes, yeah, and actually, yeah, it's actually Abe Junior. He's on the next. Uh, sure road show but he's also on scrapper mania as well so they didn't so uh i don't think they confirmed either way what that was about what show it's on yeah um the bad uh, news as well is as of now i'm not going to be going to outer space odyssey because i think i mentioned to yeah. you previously what i wanted to do was to um kind of see how this went as a as an experience. I didn't want to commit to buying tickets to another Sure Road show in case getting there was a pain in the arse and the there was problems with the venue and blah blah blah. But actually it was perfect. So as of now, plans can change. I I might end up getting a general admission ticket or whatever, but as of now plans are that I'm not going to that one. Um yeah. uh my next one hopefully would be the Martinez Gaff party back in the Tivoli. Yeah. Which I can't find the poster um, for, so I don't remember who's on it. But uh I, I don't think they've announced did anything. They, they didn't even announce anybody for it. Okay. Um Um the two you can buy tickets to the Shore Road one and the women's one. They have not put tickets on sale for the Martinez Gaff Party one. Yeah, I don't uh, I, Yeah, I'm not I'm 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 not going to the next Shore Road one. Um you know, I, 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 I'm still, you know, I, I'm not going to just go to every OTT like I did last year for a multitude of reasons, not just the stuff I've talked about on the show before, but also like I have so much other stuff coming up. Yeah, the of first course. half of this year, exactly. trips and and I have WXW coming up, so um, it's a shame because I, I'll, I'll probably make it to one of the sure road ones eventually, but um, I'll, yeah, I'll probably go to Martinez Gaff Party. I don't want to miss out on what could be the last few Tivoli shows. Um, yeah, because they've announced that that's going to be in Tivoli, of course. The Defiant show is going to be in the Tivoli. And then there's, then Scrapper Mania. So who knows what's around the corner after that. But uh, good news is that the, sh- the Sure Road exper- experiment was a success, for sure. No pun intended. Yeah, absolutely. Um, seems everyone was happy. And hopefully for the next show, they'll, they'll kind of you know, get the bar stuff sorted. And, you know, the other, the other little issues like that. Um... So the next one we'll have uh, to review on VOD. Yeah, both of us, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. we're not going to be uh, there. <laughs> yeah, so that's that'll that'll be interesting. Uh, that Defiant show, you can still get seats. Yeah, I've, 
Well, it's on a Sunday, first of all. I know it's a bank holiday it, it, Sunday, but yeah, I think I think we talked about it um, at the time. It's that is just it's a rough night. Um, it's a it's a weird one to do. I mean, I think I said last week that what I I think they should have done is just replace their normal Saturday show with this defiance show. Yes. I think they would have got they would have got a lot more people going. I think do, yes. doing the Martina Gaff party the night before not only cannibalizes it because, like, take me for example, right? Even if I really, really, really wanted to go to, to both shows, I don't know if financially that is would be viable. So you're asking yeah, I, I, you're asking of people a lot to to either pick or choose or both. Yeah, I, I certainly couldn't do both, and a Sunday show doesn't work for me. Or I imagine lots of other people traveling. Now I know, in I fairness, all- they, they put out the tickets for this not with the martinez gaff party but with the next sure road show but again still people are, because the tickets go out on sale at the same time people have to buy, pay for one or the other now tickets might pick up for the defiance show later in the month when people get paid or whatever but yeah just the for for the first one maybe what i would have even done is had Mar- march 31st be defiant and April 1st be Martinez Gaff Party. Because Martinez Gaff Party already has kind of its name and its, you know. It'll sh- surely have a big star or two on it, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, that's interesting anyway. And also of note, um, I don't know if they're wrapping up Belfast or what, but um, they the the show after Scrapper Mania is no longer a Belfast show. Uh, they are doing a Contenders show. Yeah, on that Hangover. Sunday. Uh, yeah, and they. they Although gave to be fair, to be fair, on on their pinned tweet on Twitter, they they had announced anyway since the start of the year a March thirteenth contenders, or excuse me, a May thirteenth okay. contenders and a May thirteenth Belfast show. So I don't know, are they just going to do two shows on the same night, or how would that work? But that was that would be weird. But that's, I, that's, that's, doable, that was yes. that was that's on their agenda has been since the start of the year. So I don't know whether they'll still do that. Noticeable though that the the today's Belfast show. The next Belfast show is theoretically then May, and then the next one after that is July. So they're only getting three shows from January till July. Mm. So it well, we'll we'll see. I'm sure they'll clarify on that. But yeah, they 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 announced that contender, so they call it the Hangover Show. I I, I don't know if they're going to put a gimmick on it or or do something funny, but uh, I guess since I I have a comment like I have to get accommodation for those stadium shows because they run so late. So since I'll be in Dublin that Sunday, I I guess I'll be going to my first contender show. Um, um, you know, since I'll be around, so I'm looking forward to that. Make a weekend out of it. Um, did they say where yeah. they're doing the contender show? Like I was, I mean, I was at. I was there. It's it's the it's the Ringside Club again. I assume. I uh, they didn't specify, but I would assume so. Oh no! I see here on Twitter. Yeah, it is going to be at the okay. So it's Ringside, the Ringside Club. It will indeed be. Uh, so yeah, there's your there's your OTT hour. Yeah. Um. Uh. Lot, you know, it sounds like an incredible show. I can't wait to uh to watch it. Um. And uh, yeah, we we'll obviously follow up with more OTT stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, so thanks for the live report, Paul. It seems like you had a good time. Seems like it. Um, like I say, I just hope it uh, translates. I really, really do, because it was so much fun. And uh, we'll be back next week with another full episode of the show, and then in a few weeks we'll be back with more OTT thoughts. So thanks for listening, folks. And if you're new to the show, you check us out because you wanted the OTT review. Next Give week next week is our eight-year anniversary, by the way. So don't forget that. Yeah. Pluggy, so, uh, pluggy, pluggy. So, so, 
So subscribe to the podcast feed and you can check out uh, the rest of our wrestling and non-wrestling fun and games. Yeah, Chairshotpodcast.com. Just everything is there. Just go do everything there. Subscribe from there. Email from there. Episode archive from there. And all that. Yeah. So goodbye. Go. <laughs> yeah, peace out, everyone. Peace out. H-Town. <laughs>